Hi, I'm Dr. Emmanuel Aiko. The early signs of a heart attack can vary. The most common include squeezing across the chest, a feeling of unease, and a sense that something just isn't right. It can be easy to dismiss the early signs of a heart attack as the symptoms don't always feel severe. It's never too early to call 999 and describe your symptoms. Your NHS is here for you. Well, look at this! Here's the guy here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just? He is Vincent Corbo. Mr. Corbo is a legend in the security industry. First-rate operator known all over the world. I'm putting together a new security team. I'm looking for the most badass operators out there. Until I find them, I'll take you guys. Hello, and welcome to Staying Awake. I have a sleeping disorder. I can't tell the difference between my waking life and dreams. Hello, and welcome to... Yeah? Oh my God, you're alive. What's wrong with you, Mark? Why did you call me Mark? It must be very difficult. The voices in your head embrace the chaos. Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus Acco and I am a little baffled by the ending of Moon Knight. Hi, I'm producer Dave. I haven't seen Moon Knight at all, so um, do, please do not do any spoilers, but you can tell me why you're baffled. Okay, so okay, so for, for those people who don't know what Moon Knight is, Moon Knight is the most, is the recent addition in the MCU in their TV series on Disney+. Plus. It's six episodes. It's starring Oscar Isaac as um, the titular character, Moon Knight. His normal persona at the start of the TV show is Stephen Grant, an English young man who works in a museum, especially in the uh, in the Egyptian wing. I don't want to say too much about it because I, I mentioned this before. Obviously, if you've never heard about Moon Knight before, you might want to go and check it out. I, I went in completely clean, knowing nothing of the character. Just, you know, I was like, I want to try this because because all the other characters, all the other films and TV shows in the MCU, I know a little bit about, right? Captain America, we know Captain America. Spider-Man, I grew up on the Spider-Man comics. Hulk, same thing. All of those characters, you knew something about them. Moon Knight was the one in particular they were, they were doing. 
that I had absolutely no idea about. And the last time there was something like that was Guardians of the Galaxy, right? So Guardians of the Galaxy, when it first came out, I knew nothing about the characters and I went in clean, loved it. And Guardians of the Galaxy is right up there for me. My favorite, one of my favorite MCU um, movies of all time. So I figured out the same thing for Moon Knight. I love it. Um, um, Oscar Isaac. I think he's a fantastic actor. It also stars Ethan Hawke uh, and F. Murray Abraham does a, a voiceover in it or a voice character in it. And he, F. Murray Abraham is fantastic. It's like the stuff that he does is just brilliant. His voice work is, is amazing. Um, anyway, so six episodes of it. I, I watched it and I just completed the sixth episode. And I, I, I don't know how to, so I was, I was looking at, I mean, the last time we spoke about this, we were ranking the TV shows, right? And I was saying how, for me, Hawkeye was number one, and um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was number two. I said uh, Division was number three, Loki was number four. Um, and then what was the other one? There was was it was there something else? I can't I can't remember exactly what um I put in, in order. Oh, I I think I swapped. Yeah, Loki was number four. And then Moon Knight came out, and I was like, okay, right now at that point, when I watched that first episode, Moon Knight was like number number two, right? Just underneath Hawkeye. Um and I'll be honest, I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. But it feels incomplete. You know what I mean? It feels like, because there were six episodes, a lot happened in those six episodes. And not many questions were answered. I mean, yeah, there were a lot of the questions that were set up were answered, but there's still a whole bunch of other questions unanswered. And it just kind of feels like a rushed show. You know what I mean? So it just feels like a rushed show that they just ended it a little bit early, um, which I guess is great. They didn't just fill it with filler and, you know, you know, whatever. But it just it didn't it doesn't seem like there was much in the way of substance. And uh, in the six episodes, it just finished. And it was like, OK, season one's done. And it left me wanting more which is always a good thing i i wanted more you all you know you always want to be able to watch a tv show really enjoy it and then say yeah you know whatever but compare that to something like hawkeye hawkeye was extremely satisfying i watched the entire show and right now i could easily go back and watch it again the characters jeremy renner crushed it Haley steinfeld she's fantastic Florence Pugh coming back as yelena she's just i mean she is essentially they need to just graduate her to the movies and give her her own movie because she's fantastic in it um the tracksuit gang great characters all of it then loads of stylic stylistic choices with the film with the filming and so on so it was great it was and and, and it was set at christmas who doesn't love christmas so it was like you know hawkeye for me just right up there then you go with falcon and the winter soldier again more uh, you know with different characters spanning different ways you get the you know, not my Captain America, Captain America in there, John Walker, you know, he's there, you get the, 
the flag smashers in there. You get to see who was fighting with whom and so on and so forth, right? Yeah, in that one, there might have been a, a little bit of flesh and flab on it, but still, it, bam, man, that was crunching. It was good. What's the other one? WandaVision. A lot of people hated WandaVision. I didn't, not at all. I thought WandaVision was inventive. I thought the idea of them basically going through each episode, not explaining anything for three episodes, just basically going bat s crazy with the whole medium of seeing Wanda and Vision in sitcom format, starting from the 50s, and the second episode was the 60s, and the third episode was the 70s, and it, they had the audacity to not explain stuff until, I think, episode four, and then episode four is where they just go, all right, here's what's going on, and <clears throat> it's like, I knew people who watched who because that was on the first TV show, the first MTV, not MTV, MCU TV show that came out, and I, I had I, I immediately I was speaking to one of one of my friends who's a critic of the um, of the MCU material and the first two episodes came out and it was like rubbish it's terrible they, what are they trying to do it's stupid it's ridiculous I'm like just wait I tr I have my faith in Ken Feige and, and the MCU crew they did the third episode it's like no nah, they're still doing this it's still rubbish and what's with all the the little weird moments that's happening in it I'm like just be patient episode four drops they do the whole explanation. I go back to him. I'm like, what do you think now? And he's like, I find you're right. It's great. And I'm like that. Absolutely. They just, they ran with it and they carried all that same format, even though we now knew what the whole plot kind of was and it was going. And if there's anything I would criticize WandaVision about, it's the way they let off Wanda at the very end for what she's done in the entire show could leave a sour taste in your mouth. However, I'm pretty sure there's a reason they did that because obviously she's coming back and they'll in, introduce that and they'll, and they'll expand on who her character is. So that was great, right? So it, it, it sated my appetite. It thrilled me. It filled me up. It sated my appetite. Move on to Loki, right? I love Loki. I think Tom Hiddleston, I don't think Tom Hiddleston can do any other character that will, that he'll, that will ever make as much of an impact as he did with Loki. Tom Hiddleston crushes it. I know the exact moment for what he did, and it was in Avengers Assemble, the very first Avengers movie, when he's coming down the stairs in Paris, and he has that swagger, and I'm like, dude, is cr dude crushed it. Right there, right at that moment, I was like, forget anything else he's done, this is his role. He, he can, he, he's, Hugh Jackman has Wolverine, Tom Hiddleston has Loki. TV series comes in, I watch it, and I'm like, all right, this is interesting. It's very interesting what they're doing with the character. I liked it, carried on, carried on going. The final episode comes in, or the, the episode, couple of episodes before the final episode. And again, I'm not spoiling it. I'm just talking about, all I'm going to say is the episode that had Richard E. Grant coming in. That episode was just boss, right, in Loki. But then the final episode comes in, and the final episode is more exposition. They use it to introduce a new character into the MCU who, if you follow the stories, you know that, or if you follow the, 
the media stories and basically what the phase four plans and all that kind of stuff, this character is supposed to now be like the next Thanos or something like that, if you believe the rumors. So they use this last episode of Loki to introduce this character. And it, it's literally just like a full-on exposition dump, which the actor that, uh, that played it, um, I, Jonathan Majors, loved him in um, Lovecraft Country. He's fantastic in that. So he comes in, he plays this character, and he's just he, he, he gets the opportunity to chew the scenery. And for me, because that was how they ended Loki, that's what made Loki go down in my estimation overall. Because it's like, come on, you had some, you had me, you had me. And in the last episode, you stripped all the action away and just made it about this character doing exposition kind of let down but then moon knight comes in and i'm like excellent and moon knight is action moon knight is very good action don't get me wrong i still think it's great i don't think he, i don't think i was let down like loki it just didn't hit the spot do you know what i mean i can't, I, I realize i've just said do you know what i mean a number of times and you haven't said anything so you probably don't know what i mean but i think moon knight has been moon knight was a is a great appetizer it got me like got me very interested i want to eat more i want to eat more of moon knight that sounds like a very weird statement to come out of my mouth but i want to consume more of moon knight because i feel they got me there and they ran through and the episode finished and i think it's because there's a couple of episodes in the six episode run i know i, I know i started off by saying there are no filler episodes but there's one episode that is blatant filler episode. And I'm like, ugh, what the hell? You know, strip that out. Give me more story. Give me more build. Give me more arcs and whatnot. So that's that's where I'm at with, with Moon Knight, which is why I'm saying I, 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 I want to talk about Moon Knight. So please, producer today, go and watch Moon Knight. It's only six episodes long. Check it out. Once you've watched it, let's have a conversation. To anybody else out there who wants to have a conversation with me and please try and help me explain or try and explain to me what it is I watched and why I don't feel sated and why I should try and feel sated. I don't know if that's a thing. Hit us on uh, Instagram at shoot the breeze show. Hashtag, it's all about the three way. Hashtag shoot the breeze show. Hashtag let's talk about Moon Knight and I'll respond to you. I guarantee you. As soon as I see that hashtag on there and you've chat you've linked us on instagram i will chat to you because i want to chat to people about moon knight i don't i don't figure out how i should really feel about moon knight but right now i'm i'm not putting moon knight in that category yet. i'm not putting it in the in the ranking uh, it's it, it's in the penalty box as they said or the jury's still out on moon knight because i only i just finished watching it a couple of hours ago i've not been able to fully digest it but what i can tell you is i finished watching the first season and I didn't get the same satisfied sensation that I got from watching any of the other shows. As in even Loki, where I was disappointed at the end, I understand how they ended it. I understand the ending. I'm like, okay, this is a finality. Arcs closed or arcs returned, whatever, how you describe it. Storylines looped up and finished. And I understand. Good. The WandaVision. Absolutely. WandaVision, actually, with the exception of that bad taste that I said, and it's only a tiny, tiny little thing. 
because there is an ending in in one division i mean again i don't want to spoil it for people watching it but when she says goodnight to her kids oh my goodness that broke my heart that was like okay good fantastic ending falcon and the winter soldier again not going to spoil the ending but damn yes absolutely and then hawkeye oh my goodness yes fantastic that's why it's right at the top satisfied good hearty meal but moon knight didn't have that for me and i realized i've just done like a 15 minute rant just on moon knight producer dave anything you want to say about moon knight yeah i'll go and watch it I, I, don't, I still don't know anything about it. So luckily for me, you haven't given any spoilers. Yeah. The only thing I will say or possibly postulate is that the ending may be a precursor to what is going to come in the next phase because we've got Doctor Strange coming out soon. Yes. And they may have put it out just so that uh, it ties in with Doctor Strange, but you never know. It could be another film that comes out. I mean, maybe, I mean, look, hey, I may be the, because, I, I, I mean, I'm just on, I'm on IMDb at the moment, just scanning through the ratings for IMDb, episode one, 8.1 out of 10, episode two, 8.1 out of 10, episode three, 7.7 out of 10, 8.4, um, episode four, 8.4 out of 10, episode five, 9.1 out of 10, and episode six, the final one is 8.4, so, and this is like 4,700 ratings. The, the previous episode, episode five, 13,000 ratings. So the other ones, all average of 15,000 ratings getting into that view. So again, like I'm saying, the, the episodes weren't bad. They weren't bad. None of the episodes were bad. They just, it just, it, it finished. And I'm like, it's, is that it? It's six episodes. And what, what? what that's where i'm at so but it could be that um you know he's gonna join loki for season two or even falcon and winter soldier for season two again i i am i'm under embargo i can't discuss it which is the reason i'm honest i what i will do is after we stop uh, taping i'm going to ask you if it's okay if you are okay with me telling you this one thing and then I will tell you. If you say yes, if you don't, if you say no, I won't tell you. I'll let it go and then we'll move on. Okay. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm a confused producer, Dave. <laughs> and we have a uh, we have a very wacky, confusing show for you today. Um, <laughs> so you just heard me rant about Moon Knight, which is on Disney Plus. It's the latest installment of or latest edition. Ad- ad- to the MCU catalog, this time in TV format um, from uh, Marvel. Uh, we have later on in the show, we have a huge, she's she's family. She's 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 like, she's part of the furniture right now. Uh, filmmaker Jenna Suru is on the uh, is on the episode. Unfortunately, I had to, I I missed that. Um, I missed that interview. So producer Dave stepped up and handled the interview like a champ. Um, which means I'm going to be listening to this episode because I, because I love listening to the episodes where I'm not part of it, so I can actually see professionals uh, do their job well. So so yes, I'm going to be looking forward to that. Uh, but what we're going to do now is we're going to jump into film and TV news. <laughs>
Okay, so now in film and TV news, we're going to have two things that we're going to talk about. The first thing, we'll talk about the TV show that we may have mentioned it a couple of episodes ago, maybe last episode, Professionals, which is a TV series starring Tom Welling. Uh, you know Tom Welling as uh, Clark Kent from Smallville. Brendan Fraser, you recognize him from uh, from uh, the Mummy movies. So the, not the Tom Cruise Mummy movies, but the good Mummy movies from back in the day. And uh, Doom Patrol. And, and Doom, Doom Patrol. And Doom Patrol. Absolutely. I was going to say Doom Patrol as well. Um, so we're going to talk, talk about that TV show in a couple of minutes. But before we do that... Uh, I want to jump in because I'm on IMDb at the moment and I've just seen an article has dropped. Uh, it was actually, it, it was, yeah, updated five days ago and it's spring 2022 movie and TV preview. So it says, take a look ahead at all the major movie releases and TV premieres coming this season. Producer Dave, would you like me to go through some of these, uh, some of these films and then give you sort of like a, a quick, <laughs> kind of like what we used to do, what we did the other week with some of the Netflix uh, shows that are coming up. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So this is this is going to be interesting. Let's see if I can make this uh, better than before. So uh, this uh, let's let's jump to the the first one that is popped up on here. It's called Windfall. So this is um, this is a TV show that is star is premiering on Netflix. A TV show. I, I'm I'm getting this wrong. I think it's a film actually. It is starring Jason Segel and Lily Collins and Jesse Plemons. Um, what I'm going to do, I'm not going to do all of them because there are quite a lot of films that are on here. I'm going to pick the ones that I am very much interested in, and I'll chuck them at you. So first of all, here's one that I'm very very interested to discuss with you. And producer Dave, I want to find out if you're interested in watching it. It's called, hold on for this, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Have you heard of this film before? No, I definitely have not. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. It stars Nicolas Cage, who plays Nick Cage, channeling his iconic characters as he's caught between a superfan, played by Pedro Pascal, and a CIA agent, played by Tiffany Haddish. So this is I, I this is kind of like you know the um, the self-referential films like JCVD with Jean Claude Van Damme playing himself and um, who which one which other one which there, there's another film with a major character with a major actor actually playing himself like a hyper-realized version of himself. The, the different characters, different actors have done that. Nicolas Cage does exactly the same thing in this one. So he's playing a version, he's playing himself, really, but he's being hired by this super fan who's super rich to come and basically hang out, played by Pedro Pascal. Um, so it's it, it looks wacky, it looks crazy. Nicolas Cage is just Nicolas Cage. Um, so yeah, I definitely think it is one that I'm definitely going to want to check out. Um, all right, let me jump to another one, and then we'll talk about our professionals. Um, so this one, let's say, this one I heard about it a few a few months ago, and I absolutely I'm in. It's called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. It's starring Michelle Yeoh, and she's an aging Chinese immigrant who is swept up in an insane adventure where she alone can save the world by exploring other universes, connecting that we're connecting with the lives she could have led. So that very garbled, 
synopsis of the film does no justice for the film whatsoever. When you watch the trailer, the trailer is just madcap. So Michelle Yeoh, uh, you recognize her from things like uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, she's what was what she was she in recently? She was in um, Shang Chi. Yes, thank you, Shang-Chi, uh, Legend of um, the Ten Rings. Yes, she was in that as well. Uh, she's in Star Trek Discovery. Uh, she's in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, but it's like a little cameo role. She's in Crazy Rich Aliens. Uh, Crazy Rich Aliens. Crazy Rich Aliens. <laughs> Sheesh, I invented a brand new film. Um, yeah, so, uh, so if you just go and check the trailer, it's called... Um, everything, everywhere, all at once. I think that's, I think I got the, the name down right. Everything, everywhere, all at once. It's wacky. She's just flitting through, start of, uh, starting off uncontrollably through different universes and different dimensions. And it's into different versions of herself or she's meeting different versions of herself. And it's sure, it's, it, I'm there. I'm full in all, all the way. I'm there watching this TV, this, this film. Uh, it's, uh, it's supposed to be coming out probably, I think, this year. Um, it is going to be out this year pretty soon. I don't know. I'm going to get the opportunity to watch this. And 13th of May, that's it. 13th of May, it's coming out. Go check out the trailer. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Anyway, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And before we jump into Spotlight, I want us to talk for a few minutes about this show called Professionals. Producer Dave, I've been trying to give synopsis for films. Do you, do you want to try and give a synopsis for this film? This TV program? Yeah, um, sorry, TV, the, the TV show, Professionals, yes. Yeah, take your best shot. After their advanced medical satellite explodes on deployment, billionaire futurist Peter Swan, played by Brendan Fraser, and his fiance, medical visionary Dr. Graciela Grace Davia, played by Elena Anya, uh, turn to a hardened former counterintelligence officer for protection, played by Tom Welling. Now, this show, um, man, I, I'd seen the adverts floating around on Five Star, right? And I was like, I, I like Tom Welling. I, I, you know, I watched all the episodes of Smallville. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, Brendan Fraser, he's fantastic. We were raving about him on uh, Doom Patrol. He is the best character in Doom Patrol. Um, and so, so I, I figured these two actors together might as well. It looks like, you know, the, the rich fop is being protected by the hardened military guy, you know, played by Tom Welling. It's going to be fantastic. And then I watched the first episode and boy, I fought through that first episode, man. It's like it was done very cheaply. The special effects were terrible. It's so, the, the very first scene is Brendan Fraser giving a press conference and he's supposed to be a billionaire. He's supposed to be giving a press conference at the launch of his satellite. No, he's a spaceship that is going to put a satellite in orbit. It's supposed to be such a massive big deal. And this press conference has 12 people in it. Four of those people are his family. And I'm like, couldn't you just splash out a little bit more? Get, just grab some random extras off the street, shove some microphones in the hand, just pretend like something, like a crowd is in the room. That, I was like, and then the acting was terrible. Not for, Brendan Fraser and Tom Welling are doing the best that they can, but the kind of clunky dialogue that they give them to spout, oh my goodness, just, oh. but then none of that really boiled my, my blood like 
this one actor in it, and his name is Ken Dukin. Dukin. Ken Dukin. He plays Kurt Newman. So he plays a Europol agent, I guess, who's in the UK, I guess, and he is with his partner, and they're picking up very important evidence, and they have to transport this evidence, and the evidence is going to convict um, this gangster uh, played by, um, oh, I, I can't remember his name. I've seen him in things like uh, uh, Three Kings and a whole bunch of other stuff. And I've seen him in those films, and I thought he was great, but in this, he's terrible. But either way, um, so they get in the car, and they drive off, and it's we, we follow him for like three solid minutes, and he's doing a monologue to his partner, who doesn't say a word throughout the entire scene. And I'm just like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And it, it was it wasn't it was a combination of his accent, which isn't bad. It's like it's Nordic, right? But it's it's not that the accent wasn't a problem because I have no problem with the Nordic accent. It's the words that were coming out of his mouth. It was very forced cool dialogue that wasn't cool it didn't make sense and i'm like this is so cheap stop it and it, again the special effects there's a there were, it's like my partner was we're watching it and i was like look it's all the special effects are so cheap it's like what do you mean cheap i'm like all right i'll tell you what just I'll, I'll i'll point to something and you'll see and she's like all right and there's an explosion and there's fire and i'm like i rewind it she's like what's wrong i'm like look at that fire there she's like oh my god that's terrible there's one scene again where bad guys are chasing uh tom welling's character they're all in the car tom welling brendan frazier uh graciela elena ayana and um the driver they're in the car right so tom welling is sitting in the front seat the driver is obviously driving the car you've got uh brendan frazier in the back seat you got grace in in the back seat as well tom welling's character says you know open the back door i'm gonna shoot the bad guys they open the back door right he's sitting in the front seat but when the back door opens he leans out of the back door which is on the other side of the car he shoots he hits the car the car flips over he closes the back door and then they turn around the camera spins and the, the driver's like, yeah, you got him. But Tom Welling's sitting in the front seat. And I'm like, what, 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 what happened there? What happened there? And I'm just, this is, I'm like, and I'm just, I'm yelling at myself and even, even worse. And I'm, what, worse than all of that is I'm angry at myself because I'm sitting there watching this show for 40 minutes. I watched the first episode, it's 40 minutes long. And I sit there and I'm watching it. I'm like, I could have done a whole bunch of other things far more productive for 40 minutes. I sat here and I watched this. Why? That's why I was angry with myself. And do you know what makes me even more angry? After watching that, I watched three to four more episodes of the show. <laughs> so <sighs> so I'm, I've ranted too much about professionals. Uh, Producer Dave, you watch the show. What do you think? Um, well, the f first the episode I started watching probably was the first episode and I only managed to get through 10 minutes before I switched off, as I mentioned last time. But after we talked last time, I went to catch up and I got the second episode. And um, I, I think there are 
some points in there that are worth expanding. Um, it's obviously taken, drawn from different um, films from the past. I mean, actually elements of Transporter. There's elements of that and also elements of the Matt Damon film that sort of really put him on the map. What, Born Identity? Born Identity as well. You know, all the European travel bits and pieces. That, okay. Those elements. Those elements and some sort of action bits. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have seen more decorative bits of wood than I could say I saw when it came to acting. Um, so the acting was, oh, good gosh, it was just oh, cringeworthy. I mean, I think I can't act, and I think I would have done just as good a job. Oh, honestly, I wholeheartedly agree with you. It is it was it, it, it's it cringeworthy from people you would expect to be better. But here's the thing: I think it, I think the problem wasn't even to do with the acting. No, it was a dialogue. It was a dialogue, exactly. It's like there'll be you know, spouting out this is and the, the one person for me, and it's I really, I feel sorry for for her going through this is uh, Elena Anya, uh, Anna, Anna, Anaya, uh, Elena Anaya. You recognize her from, um, from what is it? Um, Wonder Woman. She played um, Dr. Is it Dr. Poison uh, in, in Wonder Woman? Dr. Maru, who's the, you know, the, the one that has half a face, uh, face is burnt off, but she invented the poisons and whatnot. That's is her, who she is. She is also in, um, a, a, one of my, a great show I caught recently called Jet. It's only one season. It's it, it's it's atrocious that it's just one season. It's it's um, starring Carla Gugino. It's a fantastic um, TV show about uh, Carla Gugino plays Jet, who's a world class thief. Um, that's just out of prison and is already being forced back into doing uh, crime. It's got Carla Gugino. It's got um, uh, what's his name? Oh, from Breaking Bad, Giancarlo Esposito. It's got um, a number of other people in it. it. He's like different people. Mustafa Shakir from uh, the show that got cancelled recently on Netflix. Really like him. He's also in uh, Luke Cage, second season of Luke Cage. He's the bad guy in the second season of Luke Cage. It's a it's a great great show, but only one season, which is like how 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 is a great show like this just on one season? She's in that as well. She's terrific in that. But when it comes to this, it's just terrible because they they force her to say all of this bad dialogue. And it took me an episode or two to realize what I think the problem was with her when you're listening to her. And I'm sure, I may be mistaken, but I'm I'd say 80% sure that the problem is they get they get her to ADR all her dialogue. And the problem is when she's when she, ADR just means that she that she does a dialogue on the shoot, but then afterwards they get her to re-record her dialogue, just watching herself on screen. But the problem is she doesn't have nearly in nearly the same or matching um, intensity on screen as she does when she's doing a dialogue. So there's a disconnect that's there. It's very subtle, but it's there. You hear it and you're like, what's going on here? And it's because of the clunky dialogue they give her. Sorry, <sighs> what does ADR stand for? Um, I don't know. Additional dialogue uh, recording. Additional okay. dialogue recording, okay. I think. Um, I should know this stuff, but it's one of those things where it's like, 
What does FBI mean? Go on, Producer Dave, what does FBI mean? Federal Bureau of Investigation. Oh, fine. <laughs> I think I knew what that is, when I was 10. <laughs> what does CIA mean? Central Intelligence Agency. Oh, fine. Okay, what does uh, IMF mean? International Monetary Fund. Oh, I, I was going to go with impossible missions for but okay. Yeah, yeah, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, so I've just I've I've just uh, I've just uh, googled what does ADR stand for and it's it's obviously not what I'm thinking. Uh, it's oh there's something called American Depository Receipt that's not it. Yeah, anyway, moving um, on. <laughs> moving I'll, on. I'll look yeah. it up later myself. Yeah. So so in short the professionals is no, not the professionals. Professionals, not the, not, not the professionals. The professionals is Roger Moore and Tony Curtis from back in the seventies. That was great. I loved that show. Professionals is not great, but I'm still watching it. I've watched the five episodes. So, who's to blame? I am. I'm the one who complains about it, and I'm like, whatever. So I still go in and I complain about it. Automated dialogue re replacement. That's ADR. Anyway, so that's that's me. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I want to thank you all for listening to me just rant about nonstop nonsense. But, you know, instead of listening to me, let's jump to listen to somebody who is a little bit more intelligent. Let's go to a good friend, Jenna Suru in Spotlight. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is producer Dave and it is my great pleasure to welcome a returning guest. And we've spoken to this particular person so many times. She's a friend of the show, as uh, Marcus keeps saying. So over to you. Please tell us your name. Thank you so much. I always love your introductions. I feel so special. Uh, but I'm so I'm so thankful um, that you and uh, Marcus are having me back on the show. My name is Gina Suru. I'm a director and also the executive director of the Paris International Film Festival. Excellent. Now, the reason why I didn't want to go into too much details because I knew you were going to uh, uh, say to everyone that you were the uh, director of the Paris International Film Festival. And as everyone knows, we covered the film festival in quite a lot of detail this year but we haven't had you back since the um, festival started. So please, Jenna, tell us, how did the festival go from your point of view? We, you're right. And I love all the interviews that you you hosted with our filmmakers. Um, it's, it's amazing because um, our filmmakers at the recent editions of the Paris International Film Festival presented such incredible stories and in, Obviously, in these transitional times, I think it's even more it's even more impressive. Um, I'm thinking of um, Clémentine Célarier's uh, film Pierre and Jeanne, which is adapted from Maupassant. She's such a famous uh, actress in France, and this is her debut feature film that we presented as a premiere at the Paris International Film Festival last February. And also, so many more features in um, various categories. Um, for instance, Beneath the Banyan Tree, which is Nanila Young's feature film debut, um, which is uh, a wonderful exploration 
of the Asian American female gays and multicultural families, couples, all, all in between, really. Um, also, Holly Tuckett's Anchor Point, which is a tribute to all the female firefighters um, in, in Utah, and somehow also explains, let's say, the, if we may call it like this, the equivalent of the Michi movement in, in this field. So many important messages because our festival really focuses on change in front of and behind camera. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And what was your favorite part of the festival? I'm lucky because we we um, we work with such incredible filmmakers and team. Um, it's it's just it's very thrilling throughout the year to be seeing such amazing work. Um, I I regularly jury for festivals uh, like Academy Award qualifying Holly Shirts in LA, uh, Cinequest in the Silicon Valley in California. Um, and I speak on panels, including at Cannes Film Festival coming up so soon and, and randoms in London, uh, where you guys are based. And it's just really exciting to be seeing and supporting the filmmakers throughout the year. So um, I would say I, I really love supporting um, the filmmakers for change. So um, any part which is really dealing with um, inclusion, representation. So um, that doesn't mean we don't include also movies from various genres and and really um uh, all my all all um all um including absolutely everyone and everything not only underrepresented communities but we do have um a, a great um a great fight for uh, the communities which are underrepresented so i think like the moments that stay in our minds as um as the festival uh, as we deal with the festival or probably when we award a movie like um, um, Nora Lakush and Frigina Fekete's Hub, which then was, um, after the edition of the festival, picked up by HBO. Um, it's when we international premiere a movie like um, Kiss the Ground, which is on Netflix and narrated by Woody Harrelson. It's like, you know, like really putting the spotlight on these movies, um, which you may not um, see uh, for very long at the cinema later, but which really make um, a massive difference and really bring those voices and stories that are fierce and that really bring positive change. That's probably, uh, uh, it, it puts a big smile on our faces and it puts a lot of warmth in our hearts. One of the films, I think it's for change, I'm not too sure if it was, but one of the films that I remember, well, I, I really did enjoy watching and I interviewed the uh, director and producer was Alu Kachu, uh, Take and Run, which was nominated for an Oscar um, in the short film category. Um, do, do you know what's happening with that? Because I haven't been able to catch up with the um, director and producer yet. So do you know what's happening with that particular film? Alu Kachu in English, Take and Run is such an amazing film. I want to say it's a short film, but it's actually a long short film. It's yeah, almost it is. 40 mm. minutes long. And uh, the film was um, at the recent edition, indeed, of the Academy uh, Awards ceremony was uh, shortlisted and then nominated. And then we were so excited because um, I was invited uh, by Holly Shorts at the branch, the Academy Award branch. So um, met in person with the whole, the whole team to support them in their run up to the to an Oscar. Um, actually, it's um, The Long Goodbye, which is another short film from Holly Shorts, which um, um, was on, on the panel selection um, I joined at the same time with Ella Kachu, but um, which did pick up the, the best narrative short film award, but Ella Kachu was so close. And 
we love these stories because uh, Alakachu is just such a major film. It's about uh, forced marriage in Kyrgyzstan. And there are thousands of forced, marriage, um, forced marriages every year in, on this territory and so many more throughout the world, sadly. And I think it's so impressive to see what Maria Brendel and her team with the film has done, because when it comes to these issues, really knowledge is power. So what they're trying to do is to spread the message, to spread that education, to they, they try to make sure that the women in Kyrgyzstan and throughout the world know that uh, law is on their side and that if they want to run away, if they want to, they don't want this first marriage, they can run away from it. But it's so difficult because we know um, a lot of the time either they don't, they don't know or even most of the time, sadly, even their, their families are, uh, are not helping them and uh, are just making sure the first marriage uh, stays. So it's, it's really it's a constant fight and um, it's beautiful to see the success of such film. This is what the Paris International Film Festival is, is all about. And, and uh, it was wonderful to participate, um, to be a little part of their amazing journey. And I'm, I'm really excited to see Maria, Maria Brendel's um, next movies. Speaking of next movies, what's, what is going to be yours? I'm so thankful because um, a few uh, days, weeks ago, mid-April, um, one of my new films premiered in France, and this one is very dear to my heart. It's um, a movie documentary uh, form that Saint-Tropez, um, where The Golden Age, my debut feature, uh, was mainly based, um, asked me to write and direct, and it's a tribute uh, at the occasion of the 100th anniversary of uh, Michel Galabru. It's a tribute to all his career. He was an incredible actor. Uh, he has more than 250 films in his filmography. I mean, it's just, I, I, I do believe, uh, Dave, that he's one of the actors which has the, the biggest filmography from like so many movies and also um, working for so many years at La Comédie Française, which is the equivalent of the Shakespeare Globe in France, in Paris. And it was incredible to be writing and then directing the film um, throughout the year. And um, the, 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 the work I've done with Saint-Tropez, I think it's also uh, the fruit of our, our love for uh, this region of Saint-Tropez, because obviously uh, Michel Galabru is also very known for the Gendarme saga, which was mostly filmed in the Saint-Tropez Bay area. And so the movie, um, which I named um, Michel Galabru, an actor on all fronts, premiered at the Cinema Museum of Saint-Tropez mid-April. And it's going to be screening in the museum continuously throughout the year until March 2023. So make sure to, to, to get there. It's just, um, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful tribute, but it's also a, a, a city which really changed my life and which is very inspiring to artists. Maybe after Cannes, just go to Saint-Tropez after Cannes. <laughs> oh, Why not? <laughs> oh, right. Oh, okay. So, I mean, you've, you're also that. Well, before you go on to Cannes, um, how will we be able to see that movie if we can't get to France? So, for now, um, I believe what the city, uh, the Saint-Tropez city wants is uh, for the film to be screening at the Cinema Museum of Saint-Tropez. Um, Saint-Tropez uh, financed the movie and it's also um, a territory where Michel Galabru was very loved. Um, 
he was always so nice to inhabitants and uh it was a beautiful era where, you know, he could also like uh, play petanque with inhabitants of Trapezians who also were part of the movie sometimes as extra. Like it's uh, his history, his his career um, is is very linked to the to the Bay Area, and even in Ramatuel, um, well, uh, a little more than a decade ago, he received from the gendarmes themselves the distinction for for his career, um, and it was a very moving moment. Um, so um, I do believe the best way right now uh, is just because, of course, uh, uh, hopefully a lot of filmmakers are going to Cannes. Uh, it's just it, it's very it's it's not very far from Cannes. So I guess the idea is to take this as an opportunity to get there and um, and 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 all caught up in artistic joy to also celebrate uh, not only French cinema, but cinema from the past. I think it's so important to look bad at cinema sometimes and, and get inspired by, you know, the, the most incredible myths, like, you know, like Cary Grant or your Hepburn. Like, it's just, it's just really inspiring. And, and, and I think it should never be underrated. It's really important to look back at history to build the cinema of the future. Okay, moving on to, um, from Saint-Tropez, the standard road to, to Cannes. When is that starting? So Cannes Film Festival is starting um, later rather than sooner this year. Um, it's starting um, on May the 17th for about 10 days. So I will be there. We will be there representing the Paris International Film Festival throughout the festival. So that's very exciting. We um, will be meeting the filmmakers from the recent editions which are attending the festival or the Marche or both in person. Um, we do also have a few events uh, lined up and supporting some of our partners who also um, have events and obviously the usual meetings with other filmmakers, partners. So if you get to can even for only a day or more than a day, just do not hesitate to message us and hopefully we can grab coffee somewhere on the marché. We always love to hear from our filmmakers and and also of course um, press partners, media partners, partners are just really to have a conversation about cinema. This is what we are all about. Um, we are all volunteers. We are all just trying to do our best to lobby to the industry um, to have a cinema in the future that is more inclusive, that is more representative, and and that that we just love and are truly excited about. Obviously, over the last few years, well, the last couple of years, we've had the pandemic, which has disrupted everyone's lives. And that, when I say everyone's lives, I mean, everything that we t think of as normal, everything has been disrupted. How do you think that um, the, the industry has bounced back from the pandemic, taking into account all the things that we've learned to do during the, the pandemic? I think the post-pandemic world is very exciting for industries. Obviously, um, it has been a, a difficult time for, for everyone, really. And I really feel for the filmmakers, you know, who were cut in the middle with their filming or, or really anyone who's been struggling for these times. I think for the industry, uh, the silver lining here is that for us filmmakers, um, we also realize that the pandemic really managed to make a part of our industry more accessible. I would say from our perspective, this accessibility is really key. We really try to be 
when we talk about inclusion, we, we often think of um, gender and I would say race, but um, sometimes it's all about the money. Sometimes it's all about um, having kids in the place or having a baby in the house or more than one baby. It's like we need to be really inclusive of everyone and of, of anything. And I believe uh, the digital world does enable some of our filmmakers um, who must uh, be parenting or who don't have the resources to have more accessibility. I, in an ideal world, I think what we should pick up from that is to, as much as we can, of course, that's, maybe that's a long shot, but try to be as hybrid as we can and make sure we, we maybe leave the choice to our audiences. That is the ideal scenario. But I think in my eyes, the biggest, um, the, key, uh, the key element to pick up from the pandemic is that it makes our industry a lot more accessible. And I think that's really important. Um, it's not fair, you know, that someone cannot access a festival because they, they live in a remote place and, and they just, they just or, or they have a child and, and they just can't go. This is just how it is sometimes. And I think um, knowing this, we can also approach um, this post-pandemic uh, world in a very uh, optimistic and positive vibe. So this is what we tried to do with the two recent editions, the Paris International Film Festival went online and all we could um, witness is really that accessibility was extremely positive to our filmmakers. Uh, now looking at the future, what we're trying to do is to be as hybrid as possible. We want you know, an ideal world to um, make um, our festival accessible both in person and virtual. Obviously, that's the dream. There's also reality because a lot of partners sometimes they, they, they don't necessarily uh, they change their conditions. Um, so it's going to be um, to be a, a transition time. But uh, we are doing our very best, and we are completely committed to make it um, as hybrid as we can throughout the coming months and years. Excellent, because I I, I was one of those people who wouldn't have been able to see well, attend the Paris International Film Festival had it gone on as it had done traditionally. But now, from what you're saying, it's likely to be hybrid for, for many years to come. Absolutely, that is the goal. I mean, I really want to hope that, uh, of course, we always keep on different scenarios. We always, um, we have to be very careful, especially because our festival is happening around Valentine's Day. But that is definitely the goal, and that we, that's what we have prepared for now. We have prepared both an in-person and virtual edition, so we're just crossing our fingers that that can move on as planned. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4. I'm producer Dave. Now, tell me, Jenna, as we, we're going to kind of start to wrap things up now, uh, what is next for you? What are you going to be doing? What is next in the pipeline for yourself? Yes, yes, we're really excited for Cannes Film Festival. What will be next, um, aside of um, Galabru uh, tribute film, um, as I'm, 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 I'm in Saint-Tropez at the moment um, to, to support uh, the screenings and the exhibition, will be, um, well, there is a slate of projects we are working on, but I think there is, um, I want to mention the golden age because um, my debut feature, which is actually a tribute to artists, um, it's a narrative feature, so it's fiction, but um, it's also probably close to, uh, to reality sometimes, especially for a lot of our filmmakers. It just was closing night at the amazing 17th edition of the Sunscreen Film Festival in Florida. 
And I can't wait to see everyone again in Cannes at the American Pavilion. Um, but there is more news coming for the Golden Age, so we cannot say too much. Um, but I will be heading to America shortly after Cannes and excited for a lot more coming up in 2022. And of course, you guys at Shoot the Brills will be the first to know. <laughs> I promise. Excellent. Thank you very much. <laughs> when are you next coming to London? Um, I organized to be attending the Randoms Film Festival. Um, we usually have a presence there. Well, actually, I'm an alumnus from about, oh my God, seven, eight years ago. Eight years ago already. Oh my God, time flies. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big admirer of uh, what... Um, uh, Elliot Grove and his team um, do there at um, in London uh, with the Random Film Festival supporting the true indie filmmakers for so many years. So I usually speak on their panels. Um, I will also be attending uh, their event uh, at the Cannes Villa that they're hosting in a few days, which is always exciting. And um, yeah, so I hope you guys will be at Randall's because I will be there throughout. Very Excellent. excited for it. Excellent. Look forward <laughs> to seeing you there. Um, before you go, before we wrap this up, Jenna, please remind us of your social media handles. So if anyone wants to follow you and see what you're up to, they can do so. Yes, thank you so much. We always love to hear from anyone. If you just want to grab coffee and can or just to drop us a little line. Um, we, um, I go on all social media by just my name, Jenna Subu. Uh, also, the Paris International Film Festival is at Paris Intel Fest. But if you want to have everything together, just go to myname.com, so jenasuru.com, and you can have the links to all social media, the festival, as well as my productions. Excellent. Thank you very, very much for joining us again, Jenna. And I hope everything goes really well for you down at the Cannes Film Festival. Thank you so much. We're excited for it. And thank you so much for your amazing support to our filmmakers. Yeah, thank you, producer Dave. Merci. No problem. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Speak soon. Bye-bye. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. Thank you very much, Jenna Suru, for joining. I, my massive apologies. I couldn't join you on the episode, but definitely we'll need to reconnect. Um, you're going to Cannes to go have some great fun, uh, fun times. Maybe next year we'll be there. I'll bring producer Dave with me uh, so we can go and celebrate in Cannes with a whole bunch of other people. Uh, and I want to thank all of you for sitting here and listening to me rant about professionals and Moon Knight and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, I want to thank Resonance FM for not listening to us and letting us carry on talking about our show. You've been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I have been Marcus E. Ako. And I'm still producer Dave. Then thank you very much for listening. And speak to you all next time. Goodbye. I don't know why I did that. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.